Hello, hello. Welcome to the Natural Misconceptions Podcast. My name is Stephanie Mora, and I'm here to highlight all the misconceptions that we hold about life, culture, natural family planning, and fertility. I'm here to ask family, friends, and experts to help me uncover and debunk common myths, misunderstandings, and misconceptions. So get ready to learn and laugh while we pull back the veil, because on this podcast, there's no such thing as TMI. All right. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Natural Misconceptions podcast. I'm so lucky to have my sweet friend, Katrin Bennett, join me. Um, I have not ever gotten a chance to meet Katrin in person, but her and I have communicated quite a bit over the last, well, essentially close to four years because we're in one of those awesome little Catholic due date groups with our toddlers who... um, will be four here in uh, early fall. So they're about to be three, which means we joined the due date group as during pregnancy. So it's coming up on four years of, of being in that little group together. Katrin, I'm so glad you were here with me. Um, go ahead and give your own little intro for who you are and what you do. Yeah. So like Stephanie said, I met her through Facebook uh, when we were pregnant with our babies. That was my second child and I actually have had another one since then um six months ago I had my third but in the almost three years since those other babies were born Stephanie and I have both kind of gotten involved in a new ministry and we've been able to support each other in each other's ministries which is really cool she has obviously this podcast and her blog and everything and I actually wrote a book last year and then I now have a blog and social media that kind of works with marketing the book when it eventually gets published by yeah, God's exactly. grace hopefully well, one day I know and like, I I know both of us have discussed having like imposter syndrome like okay I'm a writer I wrote a book you did you wrote a book you wrote a book and even though it's not published yet it will be and I'm excited for that day um, and so just like moving past that imposter syndrome and just allowing God to really work through you to just continue to bring about his glory in that project. I think that's so awesome. It's totally a thing. Yeah, the imposter syndrome. But I feel like on those days where I feel like an imposter and I'm not a real writer and whatever, like I kind of remind myself that's the devil talking. And if God called me to write this book, then he has a plan for it and it's better than any of the plans that I would have made for it too. Absolutely. Um, I didn't actually say what the book was about. It's probably important. So um, I wanted to know more about some saints who were married because I feel like most saints that we know about are priests or religious brothers and sisters, which is awesome. But I wanted some more saint role models for myself as a married person So I started researching some of them and ended up kind of recording all the biographical information about them. And then I naturally transitioned into learning more about like what is marriage from a Christian and a Catholic perspective. So I kind of tied all the biographies of the married saints together with the vows that we take as Catholic people because we all do the same vows at our weddings. Yeah, and I love that we say all the same vows because like even in even in movies when there's a wedding in a movie they almost always use at least something similar or somewhat aligned with the vows that we read at church and or that, that a catholic would would say 
in their weddings. And I think that's very interesting because I think if, if we didn't use that, the vocabulary that we do for the vows, it just is, it's so easy to not take it as seriously, but it's a covenant and it's a really big deal. So yeah. I think that's really cool that you integrated that into their stories and just like tied it all together. That's beautiful. Well, I've been to non-Catholic weddings where people write their own vows, which is like a really sweet idea and a sweet sentiment, but they're usually at least missing some important components of marriage. Whereas, you know, the church has been using these vows for thousands of years. They've been honed down to what's really important, what's comprehensive. But also sometimes people's vows that they write themselves are just like not even serious or like. I vow that I will not eat the last Oreo because you love Oreos. Well, that's a stupid thing to vow. (laughs) This isn't like you said, this is a covenant. This is the most important decision we ever make in our lives. And you're going to talk about Oreos up on that altar, really? (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a deal I would make with a college roommate. Like, hey, I know know you like these Oreos. I'll promise not to eat the last one every time. Um, but uh, in a couple of years, when we graduate, we're going to move on our merry little way, and we don't have to live together anymore, so the Oreos are really aren't just a good deal. Right, or also, even if you're not trying to be silly, like, some people like to put vows, like, you'll never be sad again, I'll never make you cry. Well, that's not true, you can't keep that vow, like, my husband has definitely made me cry, I've made him cry, I'm sure we'll do it many more times in our lifetime together, but we're staying faithful to our actual vows that the church proposed, you know, to be in love and love each other freely and faithfully and fully. Those are what's really important. Absolutely. And I love how integrated it all is too. When you talk about marriage and talk about those vows uh, and like in learning about theology of the body too, or like the lives of the saints, like the things they likely have had to go through and fit their marriage but they yet they stayed married regardless yeah. that is a vow that like through the hard through the tears because you are inevitably going to make each other cry or frustrated or what have you and then you right. and then you just keep plugging along and ask for the graces to you know find the forgiveness and you know the enjoyment again after the difficulty well that's that's the beautiful thing about marriage too compared to a college roommate, like you said, it might be, you know, the most difficult relationship because you're with that person for the rest of your life. But it's also the only relationship that, like, through a specific sacrament, God gives us specific graces to make it work. So we don't have to go it alone. We can't do it successfully alone. But thank God we don't have to because we have those graces given to us in the sacrament. Absolutely. Praise God for that. Cause it is hard without oh, those real. graces. With those graces, it's hard. So right. exactly <laughs> lean on them. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love you, babe. If you're listening to this, because you will be, because you edit this, but you make things hard sometimes. <laughs> well, we're all human. <laughs> we are married to other humans. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So um, is there any, like, particular story you'd like to share, how you integrated, like, a particular um, couple's life or anything that just really stands out that you'd like to share for this audience? Well, to kind of tie it to NFP, because that's why we're all here, I was thinking about how the saints tie into most of them that I had learned about 
lived kind of longer ago than there were official, you know, NFP methods. But NFP is, you know, at its heart, a lot of it is about sacrifice. I think you've talked about that a lot. And anyone who practices NFP knows there's a lot of sacrifice involved. And sacrifice absolutely ties into every saint story that I've learned. Um, I think sacrifice is the fastest path to holiness. Uh, If you read about the saints, that's probably what you'll glean. And I it's helped me to kind of look at NFP as like this, even the sacrifice parts, even the quote unquote bad parts are good in a way because they can be our path to holiness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this, this, I promise it's going to connect. I recently have been watching um, the chosen, the series, the chosen. Oh yeah. And thinking like, Oh my gosh, I love the depiction because you see the sacrifices that the apostles had to make in following Christ, like it was not easy and it's still not easy. He asks, there's a line that he tells, um, there's a woman who wants to follow him and her father is reluctant to approve. And he tells her, he tells her father, Jesus tells her father. Um, I ask a lot of my followers, but I don't ask a lot of those who don't follow me. And so like, we have to sacrifice so much but it's like you said there's beauty in that because of graces because of the redemption that we get from it and it's absolutely true within marriage and it's absolutely true within natural family planning because it's hard it's a lot of difficult sacrifices for times of abstinence for times when the method might fail um for times when the method is just confusing or you just don't want to deal with it or say you were trying to conceive and that's not working like it's just not all rainbows and butterflies. As we record this, it's currently NSP week, like uh, NSP awareness week. And there's a lot, if you scroll through the Instagram pages, if you're listening to this, this will be several weeks down the road. However, go back and, and on Instagram, search for the hashtag NFP week 2021, and you'll see lots and lots of different testimonies and statistics and things that just go to show nfb is hard but it's worth it yeah it's it's a sacrifice and it's dying to self it's self-denial and that's what christ asked us to do so it really can be part of our path to holiness and it's gonna suck sometimes like you said but jesus didn't promise it would be easy he just promised he would be with us Yes, absolutely. Which is, it's hard. It's hard because sometimes I just would like to be a brat and be like, why didn't you make this easy? You could have made it easy and you didn't. Right. Yeah, and I want to be a brat, like a bratty teenager to my parent. <laughs> like, why did you make it so hard? Right. Like, if you loved me, it would be easy. <laughs> yes, but that but isn't like, what we did. Actually, no. Yeah. It's hard. It's a hard, it's a hard truth to have to wrestle with on the daily for sure. So I wanted to ask you, Katrin, if you'll share a little bit about your background with natural family planning, what method you use, why, and kind of the, your experience with it. Yeah. So I kind of knew about NFP maybe back in like high school or college a little bit. Um, I am a cradle Catholic, but I don't know. We just didn't talk about it that much, like growing up and stuff. Um, 
but I did get trained in Creighton, which I know that's the method you use, mm-hmm. um, when I was engaged. And I spent that whole year that I was engaged working with an instructor, and I had a lot of like irregular cycles and weird stuff going on. And even by the end of my year being engaged, we still hadn't nailed down a good fertile window for me because I just had weird stuff going on. Uh, and I was kind of frustrated with it and it was kind of stressing me out. And my husband and I were planning to, you know, go into marriage, not really trying to avoid conception anyways, like open to having children right away. So I just kind of stopped charting completely just before we got married and didn't chart, didn't chart. And like four months after we got married, I was pregnant. (laughs) Um, And then 10 months after my first daughter was born, I was pregnant again with my son, Jack, who was the baby that I met you through that Facebook group. Finally, after Jack, so I had, you know, an 18 month old and a newborn, I was like, okay, now we need a little breather. (laughs) So I got to figure out this NFP thing again, but I just did not really want to go back to Creighton because it just wasn't really working for me. So I asked some of my other Catholic friends what they did, and I ended up stumbling across Marquette, which is a very different method. Um, Basically, you pee on a stick most days, like pregnancy test style, and you put the stick in a monitor and it tells you, based on your hormones and your urine, whether you're fertile or not. So for me, it was a lot more objective, whereas Creighton, sometimes you're doing some guesswork about what color is the mucus and how stretchy is it but Marquette is you literally look at a screen and the monitor says yes or no (laughs) yes I've heard that from a lot of Marquette users I think you're actually the first one I've had on um I hope to continue getting stories from a variety of um, methods or users of a variety of methods um but I do hear when I read things online um or just from testimonies that I've heard Marquette is a lot more objective, just like you said. It's either a yes or a no. But do you think that that automatically equates to that method is easier or gives you more available days for abstinence? I mean, to not have to abstain? Uh, It's hard to know because, like I said, Creighton, I never quite figured out for me. Um, And I'm going to have to think back like more than a year now to when I was in regular cycles before my most recent pregnancy. Um, I think there are, you know, pros and cons to every method. I think a lot of people will tell you one big con to Marquette is that it's a little more expensive because you have to buy a monitor and you have to buy the test sticks for it, which actually right now are very expensive for some reason. But it's worked for us and I like the objectivity of it. That's good. And I think I like what you said about different methods being beneficial for different couples. And um, so the other thing I always like to touch on too is like the, the phrase used natural family planning is what it sounds like, but a lot of people use NFP really just for their own sake, their own knowledge and health and things. So that's part of why I use Creighton, not just because of my family planning purposes, but because it can be diagnostic and why I haven't switched to other methods because Creighton can be used by a physician to check for things, which we've talked about that on other episodes, but with Marquette. Um, actually, I think you have to be 
like a medical provider, at least a registered nurse, if not higher up degree in order to be an official instructor for the method just because I think that's true yeah I think I like looked into it briefly and it was like oh well there's no way I can ever do that because I'm not going to nursing school or anything so yeah so it's interesting how scientific it can all be even though they're different you're looking at different signs with Marquette like you said you're actually checking your hormones with an official monitor but it's so scientific and I just think that's really interesting yeah, it is really interesting. The monitor is really cool because it picks up on multiple different hormones. Um, so it's not just estrogen. It's also um, progesterone and uh, the LH, the luteal hormone. So it's really cool if you can like see them charted. Um, if you ever Google stuff like that, you can see how one hormone spikes and then the other one falls. And it's really Yeah, how they have to be sort of the ratio of them has to be um more ideal for it to be quote-unquote working properly and so I know for you being postpartum you're probably in the same boat as I am as far as like things aren't really looking the way they're supposed to quote-unquote just because cycles haven't um, regulated or what have you right yeah it's actually kind of a crazy coincidence because um we're recording this episode today this morning I actually got my first peak since my baby was born <laughs> yes uh I bet that was so I don't know if it's like oh yes we're finally getting back to normal or is it like oh my gosh okay we have to be on high alert or like what does that elicit for you it's kind of a mix um in some ways it's going to be nice because I won't have to test every single day anymore Uh, I'm not going to go into like all the details of the method, but like when you're postpartum, you have to use one of your test sticks every single day, basically. And then when you're in regular cycles, you do, you know, it's usually 10, 15 sticks and then you catch peaks somewhere in there and then you don't have to test anymore until after your period is over. So it'll be less expensive because I won't use so many test sticks um, (laughs) and I'll kind of know what's going on more. But then I also have to, like, chart more carefully and be more on top of stuff, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Always, always pros and cons. It's always, like, an ebb and flow of things. I have heard people say to you, because the complaint, like you said, about the, the price of Marquette with the testics and everything, that, like, someone's made the comment, yeah, but if you're in a financial situation and your reason for avoiding is that, it's cheaper to pay for testics than it is to have a baby. Yep. <laughs> So, that's for sure. That's <laughs> They're not really that expensive. <laughs> but um, I've heard people say, like, uh, who don't know a lot about NFP will, will hear me, like, give a tiny little spiel about NFP and, like, oh, yeah, well, I definitely can't do that because I'm nursing and I haven't started my cycles yet. They're kind of just trying to write it off right away. I'm like, actually, so am I. And you can. <laughs> and it, yeah. obviously it's worked. I can, I can tell you now from experience that I caught peak as soon as it happened probably okay. most women who had a baby you know a few months ago can't tell you exactly when they ovulate for the first time but I can tell you it was today yes up until this most postpartum most recent postpartum experience I wasn't able to tell either hence why my current 10 month old exists because I just didn't know I mean I had started charting but I was Essentially, I was already too late <laughs> to be yeah. charting. I was already pregnant when I started charting the first time and didn't know it. <laughs> right. 
So yeah, I can attest that what you said is exactly true. But with the mind or with knowing exactly what things to look for, you can you can know like, oh, cool. I I ovulated. My body's starting to work the way it's supposed to again after this this kiddo. Yeah, it's it's also like I've noticed in the past couple of months before today, like small changes like I'm my body was trying to start up and like no not right now trying again no not right now and then this time it's like successful <laughs> I'm back good. on schedule good that's awesome how exciting our bodies are so cool I think I say that every episode but it's true they're so really cool. cool yeah um so how does your husband like what's what are his thoughts about NFP in general or like does he prefer Marquette as well what are how does he come into play with everything Yeah, um, he is definitely on board. I actually, we were talking about NFP with my in-laws just a couple weeks ago when they visited, and he, like, got up on a soapbox about how awesome NFP was and how good it is for marriages, and I was like, it's really good for me to hear you say that every once in a while, because I guess we hadn't talked about it in a while, and it's, like, really good to hear how on board he is and how excited he is about it, too. because, you know, we're, we're in it together. We're a team together. I love it. So is there any way for him to help you chart? I mean, because I know with the monitor, there are some methods. So, for example, those who use, like, um, a temperature-based method, their husband can, you know, give them the thermometer and write down the temperature and things like that. Um, and for myself, I can say, hey, I, I observed X, Y, and Z for my cervical mucus today, if you'll write it down on the chart or what have you. Right. Does he help with that or is he just like, how's it going? Well, I pretty much do the recording by myself because it's super easy. Like I said, it's either low, high peak, but I talk to him about it a lot. And I do talk to him about like mucus and stuff too, because we were trained in Creighton before and he did come with me to meet with that instructor for Creighton while we were engaged a couple times. So I'll talk to him about that. And he was like, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> yes they're counting okay one two three four okay this is the day we're good we'll be good let's make a plan let's make a yep, date exactly because you do need a plan when you have other <laughs> kids you gotta think ahead what's going yeah. on that night <laughs> yes I think that like I've heard some people like oh I feel like NFP takes all the spontaneity out of things but one like if you have whatever reasons you have to have to postpone i.e you're still recovering from the previous birth or whatever it is whatever your reason is like you kind of have to plan around these children they're not very easy to to like plan around they're they're needy or clingy or you maybe have to get a babysitter or whatever is going on so you can't really just be that spontaneous anymore anyway so I think NFP is actually helpful for that, at least for my marriage. I didn't, And I also say that knowing, too, that NFP is a huge cross for people, as, as we were talking earlier about the sacrifice. Has it played that role for you guys, or has it mostly been fairly positive? Um, definitely both. Um, on those periods of abstinence, and especially, like, if you know something messes up the schedule like my husband is military and sometimes he is gone for a while like the military is not gonna you know change his schedule around my cycles so things can work out that you know he's gone as soon as we would be able to have sex again so that sucks um but other times we have seen the benefits of a lot too 
you know, all your guests have been excellent at giving different perspectives on the benefits of NFP. But for us, I would say it just, it makes it really special. It, it makes it so we can be a team about it and always feel like we're being pro-life about it, being open to life and fruitful about it. So I think it definitely has strengthened our marriage too. That's awesome. I love that. And I do love hearing that perspective. I think I get a little self-conscious. So this is my little aside for listeners who are like, oh, it's all rainbows and daisies. Because we, we know it's not. We we clearly admit that. But I think for some, it's even way bigger of a cross, possibly because one partner doesn't believe in the efficacy or the need for NFP. They aren't so opposed to birth control or whatever other components come into the marriage as a whole, which make NFP an even greater cross. Um, that so would that's be really hard. Yeah. Like if, if both parties are not 100% on board with either the morality or the efficacy and reasoning behind why we should use NFP. And it's part of also why I'm such a big advocate for using for your health. Like this isn't just about planning your family or like when you can or cannot have sex and following all the rules because I know people have a hard time with that I've always been a rule follower so it's just like kind of in my nature but I know some is like oh like I hate that some other entity i.e these rules of the method that I follow tell me when I can and cannot enjoy my spouse but like if nothing else it can be so beneficial for your health like oh I know that you know, these symptoms arise when I'm ovulating or these symptoms arise right before I'm about to start my cycle. And I can be in tune with that and know how to adjust because of those things. So I think that's probably why I like try to push both ends of the thing, not just for family planning, because it can be a huge cross. And I think I just want to make sure that I give that caveat every time, like listeners don't think that I'm trying to make light of this and like, oh, NFP is the best thing in the world. It's all daisies, but it's not. It sucks. It's hard. It's, um, but I've it's said before it. that NFP is the best worst thing ever. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. It is the best. <laughs> just thing just ever. put it simply. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so tell me more about, I know you've gotten to share with me a little bit about kind of how you and your husband met and things. Um, I love to hear that story. Oh, yeah. Um, so my husband and I met at a Halloween party at a Knights of Columbus house in college. Um, and he was dressed as Batman and I was dressed as Catwoman, which is a crazy <laughs> coincidence and just proves that God has a sense of humor. Um, so that was like basically the reason we started talking to each other because of our costumes. And I don't think I even told you more of the story after that. So he somehow like he went to use the bathroom or I went to talk to a friend or something. And we ended up like not seeing each other the rest of the night. And I was kind of like, oh, man, like he seemed like a really nice guy. And uh, I wish I could have gotten to get his number, or get to know him better or whatever. But I just kind of trusted like, you know, if if this is a guy I'm supposed to meet, God has a plan. And the next night at church, because I went, we went to mass at 9 p.m., you know, classic college style. Nobody else would go to mass at 9 p.m. except for college students. Absolutely. Um, I was there at mass and I was actually reading that night, um, this lecturing. And from the lectern, I saw this guy in the crowd at mass. And I was like, I, that is totally that guy. And I've never seen him 
at mass before uh, or at this mass before at least but I went back from reading and after mass I was like I wanted to you know chase him down and find him again but again I was like you know let him pursue me I've had problems with that in the past I gotta like God be in charge of this and let him pursue me if he's interested and so I was just like praying after mass like I usually did and like hoping he would still be there when I stopped praying and he was when I like opened my eyes again he was like literally standing right next to me (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh Um, I love that yeah sorry continue I didn't mean to interrupt you I love that he was just like right there like (laughs) literally right after your prayer well you know like I had had a couple of other guys recently before him that I was interested in and they were like you know playing games and texting me but then not responding to me and like we would go on one day but then they wouldn't be interested anymore and I hated all of that like confusion and I had prayed like god I'm I feel like I'm ready to meet my husband I was you know about to finish grad school if you have a guy in mind for me you have to make it like very obvious and he has to be so straightforward with me and like we're not playing any more games because I'm not doing that right now and so like literally yeah he was standing there right next to me after mass and he was like hey remember me from last night like yes of course I remember you he was like are you dating anybody no I am not would you like to go out with me on Wednesday yes I would <laughs> and oh it was my never gosh, any question that. or any game so that's what I needed at that time in my life what a good man so intentional I'm okay I'm so glad that I got like even more details than the last time we chatted about this you're meeting him because that's what I know my single listeners I do have a handful I know for sure that like just wait just pray for that intentionality because they're there there are guys out there who are that intentional you don't have to worry about the guys who are like texting you and ghosting you there will be someone worth your while who will intentionally ask you out on an actual date. For real. <laughs> Maybe he won't be, he won't be Batman, but... <laughs> but he <laughs> may all of us can be so lucky to find their Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin landed the... Of, of the guys as Batman. That's an awesome. Well, I want to tell those same listeners that are out there and single and hoping to find somebody, whatever... There's not a lot of guys out there like that. There there are few and far between, but you only need one and you only really want one. I mean, it would kind of be overwhelming if there were a lot of them all of a sudden at once. You just want that one guy who totally stands out from the whole crowd to just be right there when you open your eyes from praying and like, hey, let's go out. Let's get married. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I have a somewhat of a similar thing as far as like the prior experience prior dating experiences before I met my husband and I finally made a choice I was like okay I put myself on a dating fast I just decided okay I'm I'm done with guys like I need some time to myself and mainly it's because like for my own heart I needed to be pursuing God more than anything else and then I was like okay one year no dating anybody for about six months in (laughs) is when I changed my mind or rather God changed it for me is when I met my husband. I had known him prior, but we we really started talking and spending time together about six months into my dating fast. So I broke it, but it worked out for the best. (laughs) I actually did a dating fast also, but had a totally opposite experience of that. I was like, forced myself to say I was going to be on a dating fast for a year, but I was like, I don't really want to do that. 
thought maybe it would be shorter, but the year went by and I was like, nope, still nobody I'm interested in. And then another year went by and then it was like two and a half years. And You're I- like, what? People are, this is a little much for me. This is not what I was asking for. No, but no, by that time I was like very comfortable with it. And when I finally did start kind of dating guys again is when I went through all of that guys being silly and playing games whenever I was like, well, this is crap. Why did I come out of this dating fast? Um, so then when I finally met my husband, uh, it was obvious he was very different from everybody else, but I was still like a little bit wary about getting back into like, you know, a serious relationship, you know, underline the word relationship because I hadn't in several and it was just going to be different. I wouldn't have as much time for, you know, me alone or me with my friends or yeah, it is relationship with God during that time. So my dating fest actually went very differently than yours did in that way. It's funny how he works that way for us too. And, and that, that time of singlehood is so formative. And for, for my single ladies as well, I always advocate that you start charting now again because of the health reasons. And then when, because I hope that most of my, I know most of my listeners as of right now are Catholic. And so therefore would be following church teaching you know, no sex before marriage. So the times of abstinence are not applicable. Um, you're able to just like actually learn your method and learn your body and what it's doing, why. And so learning all that stuff in that, in that singleness, as you wait, whatever it is, if you're on a dating fast or, um, you know, I know there are some out there that talk about dating fast as being um, too closed off to God's will. Um, but I think if you're prayerful and discern well, then, then he'll lead you where you need to be. If he knows that you will benefit from a season of singleness, then that's what you're called to in the moment. Or if he knows that you will benefit from allowing someone to pursue you intentionally, then that's what you're called to in the moment. Um, so yeah, anyways, all that to I say think, to my single ladies. I think dating fast, I'm just thinking of this right now, but I think going on a dating fast is kind of a lot like NFP. Like if you're using NFP to avoid a you're definitely not actively seeking to date somebody you're like kind of have your blinders on you're not trying to find somebody to date but like if god really had somebody in mind for you right then like you were saying and six months into your dating fest you met your husband then it's gonna happen like it's not like you like closed yourself in a box and nobody can ever find you for that entire year so it's kind of like trying to avoid with nfp like you're not trying to get pregnant but also you know, every sexual act is still open to life. And I've read some crazy stories that sometimes God's will is there. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that analogy. I didn't even necessarily make that connection until you said it. I love that. Um, yeah. Just being open to God's will, like he's going to call you to a season of abstinence sometimes or a season of singlehood, but he's always forming us. And yeah. I think for me, like the sacrifice of abstaining during certain times is is not different from sacrifices I have to make for my sons or for my husband or what what have you. Like those sacrifices are always being called upon us. So in the same way of dating, like, okay, I'm going to be kind of sad or sometimes probably lonely. In all honesty, I recall those moments in, of, of loneliness, I guess. And it, that doesn't necessarily go away. I still have of similar moments of feeling lonely um not so much just because of the abstinence from my husband but I I think I have to reset my own 
train of thought. In the same way when I was like, okay, Lord, I need to intentionally be single here and start this dating fast. It's similar to like, you know, whether or not I'm staying with from my husband, like I need to spend my time with you, Lord, and know that you are who defines me and that this time of whatever, solitude, abstinence, insert what applies to you, like that's what I'm called to right now so that I can do a reset basically and in who I am in your eyes and what you are calling me to because I think a lot of times like even our spouses have the potential to sort of take our focus away from him oh, yeah. um, and so, like in dating I know I that's how I was in, so focused on who pursuing me that I had to like rip the bandaid off like okay I'm not gonna let anyone pursue me right now except God and then, you know, like I said, six months in, that's what happened. So I think it's the same in marriage too. That doesn't really go away. Like, I'm like, ah, you know, pouting about what have you within the marriage, if it is abstinence or not, or, um, you know, trading chores or whatever it is the domestic bliss brings upon. Like, okay, do a reset, focus on the Lord. He's the one constantly pursuing you, um, regardless of what's going on around anywhere else within the marriage and things. So. I like that you brought that analogy and sort of reflections that it brought out for my own circumstances. Yeah, I like that idea of a reset too. I think we all need that in our really, usually our marriages or other relationships too. Yeah, and I think that's why it's so beautiful that everything is cyclical. The, um, you know, our cycle is cyclical. Our, you know, school years are cyclical, uh, the calendar and the liturgical year, all of those things. So all these different seasons bring about different types of growth or, um, like you said, that reset that you need. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like the seasons too. Like thinking of, you know, my body and the way that it's programmed, like the seasons, like the way that God made the seasons for the world. It's really beautiful. Awesome. I love it. Also, like, so, this is kind of a silly thing to say, but um, I just want to point out in regards to NOP, the fact that women have seasons of fertility, uh, I think a lot of times people, you know, kind of blame the woman for pregnancy. But if we were like men, there weren't wouldn't be any seasons at all and we would be fertile all the time so it's really more the man's fault when you get pregnant you know what I mean absolutely like if you would just settle down Mr. Sperm right (laughs) yeah no you're completely right and I've seen too like you know I I follow a lot of pro-life pages that also are very very snarky and so they'll talk about the arguments that um, anyone who's pro-choice would have against a pro-life argument, or as they would say, anti-choice or anti-abortion. Right. Like, oh, well, if you think a mother should be forced to have a baby, then the father should be forced to support the baby if they conceive, blah, 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 blah. Like, yep. absolutely, Sounds that's good. what I'm saying. Why are you saying that, like, it's a bad thing? Yes, these men are responsible for the humans they create because they are constantly fertile. So if they are doing, you know, whatever they're doing and creating children, yes, they absolutely need to step up and support 
the child and the mother for Uh, real it's really funny when they think they've got you there you know like well there's no way you're gonna support like child support from conception like yeah yep that's a baby yep that'd be great because you know i gotta get some maternity clothes i've gotta get prenatal vitamins (laughs) Uh, there's a lot of stuff you gotta help me with this um friend so because of your sperm that's constantly fertile this is your fault (laughs) (laughs) yeah no you raise a perfectly good point and i I'm glad to touch on that, to have an opportunity to touch on that. Because I love to snark. I, I think actually in person, I'm, I try not to be really that snarky, but I like to pretend that I'm sassy um, <laughs> when I'm behind a microphone or behind a keyboard. <laughs> well, you have some funny, sassy, what are they called, reels on Instagram? <laughs> I still haven't figured yes. that out. You're going to teach me how to do that. Oh, yes, I definitely can. I tried. I like to be sarcastic. Sometimes I feel like they they flop a little bit. But um, yeah, just trying to be sarcastic because sometimes you have to be either like just make a joke out of it or sarcastic because it's challenging if you don't have a little sense of humor to go with with all of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's not it doesn't have to be so serious all the time. Yeah, for sure. Awesome, Katrin. So I'm going to ask you that last question I love to ask all my guests. Um, If there are any, and it doesn't have to be related to NFP, but it can be, of course, silly or serious, any misconceptions that you have once held that you have come to learn the truth about? Yeah, so definitely not about NFP. (laughs) When I was little, you know, people always ask little kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they you know, people tell kids, you can be whatever you want to be when you grow up, you know, dream big, be whatever you want to be. And I, I dreamed very big. And I did not limit myself to careers that humans could have or (laughs) intimate creatures could have. And I said that when I grew up, I wanted to be a fire truck, because fire trucks are pretty cool. They're bright red, they're loud. So that was before I realized it was a misconception that somehow I could become a fire truck when I grew up. I love how little I, I, you know, our three-year-olds are getting to that stage of like, everything is so literal. Like you cannot, you have to be so specific with them because they're like, what? Why can't I be a fire truck? You're ruining my dreams, mom. You told me I could be anything. I want to be a fire (laughs) truck. (laughs) I think that's very ambitious, actually. I like because it's it's protecting people it's powerful it's strong yeah all the things I think I want to be a fire truck now too (laughs) when you grow up yes I love it all right Katrin thank you so much for your time I know it's been kind of a mess getting our recording out but I'm appreciative of your time your vulnerability sharing your story um, and I'm so excited to read you in print when the day comes that you're finally published with Holier Matrimony. Um, you can find Katrin on Instagram at that name, Holier Matrimony. She shares awesome stuff and awesome saint stories as well as her blog. Um, anything else you would like to share as listeners before we head out? No, just thank you for having me and thank you for your support of my project. I'm glad to be a part of yours also and I'm sending people your way all the time. I love it. Thank you so much, Katrin. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Natural Misconceptions podcast. My name is Stephanie Mora, and don't forget, there's no such thing as TMI.